Hey, good morning. I hope you're having a good weekend. You having a good weekend? Good week last week. A lot of things going on um, in the news. You hear about the volcano in Iceland and just the, the, um, the difficulties that it's caused. You know, I'm, just, I'm always amazed by how an earthquake at one place or a hurricane somewhere else or something is like a volcano on an island like that can shut down flights you know, all over the world and in Europe, especially for England, had a friend headed to London. He said, you know, trips canceled because of a volcano over here. That's just, that's crazy. But kind of made me think about uh, another news article this week. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there's an airline, I think it's called Spirit. And what they're going to do, they want to begin to charge not only for your uh, checked luggage, they want to charge you, I think it's $45, for carry-on baggage. I just think that's crazy for carry-on bags I mean, to, to, to do that. And I, uh, I don't know what you're supposed to travel with now. Whatever you can put in your pockets, you know, that's not metal. That, you know, a toothbrush, your contact lens, maybe your contact case. That's kind of all you need, you know, and just kind of get by, buy clothes when you get there, leave them when you're, when you, when you're done with your trip. Uh, it's kind of what my girls do anyway, but um, similar. But I just thought, it made me nostalgic. You know, you think back on travel. I can remember being on an airplane with a smoking and a non-smoking section. Do you remember that? Some of you old guys. Um, and they would just pull a curtain, you know, and you're sitting right in front. And you think, oh, I'm in the non-smoking section I'm in the smoking section, you know, and it was just, and you could carry on whatever you wanted to carry uh, and fly with that. It's just a, a different time, and I understand security, I understand all those issues, but I don't understand having to pay or take a carry-on, because that's typically uh, the way I like to travel. You know, I don't like to take a lot of, a lot of stuff with me, but it makes you kind of, and, and we get nostalgic about a lot of things. You get happy memories. Or maybe you get sad memories. As J.O. was talking a moment ago, I thought, wow, this guy's had a lot of history. He's lived through uh, so many adventures and so many things. And sometimes we get nostalgic. We get nostalgic for a particular place. Maybe you go back to your hometown and you see a place or, you know, a room perhaps in someone's house. Uh, There can be a home, a special time in your life that kind of brings back memories of your childhood or your youth, you know, and you, and you do that. And the, and the older I get, the more nostalgic that I am, you know. And I'm, I'm becoming one of those guys that, I'm going to tell you about back in 72, I'll tell you what, you know. And, and most people sitting here going, dude, we don't even remember 72 because we weren't on the planet yet. Uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of get that way. And there's this wistfulness, you know, this fondness that you begin to feel. Uh, for the music, uh, for instance, 70s people, we pretty much invented rock and roll, and I take credit for that single-handedly. And my, I, I, I say that to my son, and he always says, Dad, you had nothing to do with it. And I said, I did. I had everything to do with it. I walked like three miles to, they had record stores back then, and they sold records to buy the Woodstock album. And I can remember, I, it was my investment, my going to concerts. I invented rock and roll. I made it what it is today. You know, and some of you are like me. You can hear those songs. You go, oh, yeah. Or some of you, maybe it's more about the 50s. You hear 50s music, and you go, oh, remember this? Or, or 80s music, eh, not so much, but 90s music. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that was going to hurt your feelings. 
But, um, <clears throat> you know, it's just it's something that kind of locks you into that time. You can watch old television shows. Uh, you can, you know, if you see a friend, you can, you know, you start reliving crazy adventures. And, and all those things kind of make you nostalgic for those, those special times. Uh, there are some songs I can hear. I can remember where I was, who I was with, what we were doing, you know, what, what the conversation was about. And it's just amazing the connection that we have to the past. And I think that's, that's true for all of us. And I don't begrudge anybody your happy memories, where you grew up and what life was like, you know, down on the farm or up in the big city or wherever it was and kind of how you relate to things. Uh, I think that's cool. But, you know, sometimes that journey can be counterproductive. If you're not careful, you'll slip into this negative habit. And I think uh, our spiritual enemy will lead us uh, on this path sometimes where we take this other kind of journey into the past, that part that's filled with uh, regrets. You think about mistakes. You think about maybe broken relationships, things you said, and you think, I can't believe I said that, uh, things you did, and what, what was I thinking? I, I wasn't thinking at all. Wrong things that have been done opportunities that you missed, you know, if you had just said yes to, to this thing, or if you had gone there, you think about, oh, well, I just, I can't believe that, and, and you catch yourself saying, why, 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 or if only I had done this, or if, if I hadn't done that, then here's where I would be today, or what I would be doing, this is what might have been, so that journey can be kind of counterproductive. Uh, there's missed opportunities and mistakes and events that I have seen just completely sideline people, maybe for their entire life or in one or two areas of their life. I've known people who've not engaged in ministry because they've said, well, you know, I can't because I've got this in my past or I've got that. And it's kind of like baggage. It's kind of like baggage. I'm going to show you my wife's bag, okay? This is her bag. Uh, right here, we, we travel, you know, say we're just going out of town for the weekend. This is, you know, this is it. This is her small carry-on. This is the one that um, she kind of uses. Just get the basic essentials in this baby right here. But isn't that, isn't that a monster? I think so huge. It reminds me of the first bag that I had that I, I used to do, my first international mission trip. I took a bag just like that. And I flew on the other, to the other side of the world, and I had a carry-on you know, that was a really pretty good size. And I don't know what I was thinking just for a week's trip. What all did I take in that? But I did. And some of you smile because you, this, you think, what? I don't get it. What's his problem? That looks like a normal, a reasonable size thing. This is kind of what I used to travel with or something like that. And, and, you know, you can pretty much take everything you need, but you find out you don't need it. You don't need those things. Let me show you. This is my favorite bag Almost every time I travel, unless it's a little, you know, a little extensive or if I'm going to need some things that, you know, I don't typically m maybe need. I've got a little rolling carry-on that I carry. But almost every trip that I go on, this is the bag that I take. This is my favorite bag. I love this little thing right here. And uh, my family can tell you, and yeah, we go on vacation, this, I'm going to have this and maybe my brief bag or something else. But this is just such a handy thing. And I can get in and out of places pretty fast. 
fits in the overhead, fits in, throw it in the back of the car if you're, you know, if you're just you're driving around. But this is the bag I use. I love this bag. It's just right for the way I pack, and I'm a really good packer. I do seminars on that. Um, very reasonable fee uh, about that. But that's, that's, kind of the, that's the bag I take. You know, and what I found out is uh, that we do the same kind of thing as we travel through life. And I know that's a little corny, but you need a lot less baggage than you think you do. Come on, isn't it the same way, emotionally or spiritually? The whole point of today in the scripture we're going to read in just a moment is this. You don't need to keep lugging around some of the stuff that you're carrying with you emotionally and spiritually. And you take it from one year to the next and from one place to the next, one job, one relationship. You just continue to lug this stuff with you everywhere you go. Because there's something inside of you that doesn't want to let go or can't let go. And so you just continue to carry it. And you don't need to do that anymore. If you're not careful, living the regrets of yesterday, all your mistakes and some of the hurts and the pains can render you completely ineffective today. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in some of your lives. I've seen it again and again and again. When people voluntarily or involuntarily, they, they hold on to stuff and can't seem to let it go. In Isaiah 43, God speaks some words to his people to help them to avoid living that tragedy. And he tells them, and, and by the way, he's talking to you uh, in these verses of well, as well, just to let go of some of the things of yesterday and begin focusing on what God is doing in your life and what he wants to do in your life today and tomorrow. This is going to involve a little bit of, you know, kind of some time travel, and you're going to have to uh, maybe take some steps to really pull that off. It's not just going to happen because even just a moment ago when I said you can let those things go and you can leave them, some of you felt a little buzz, didn't you? I mean, you felt a little liberty. You felt a little lighter. A little free. You mean, you're giving me permission? I don't have to keep taking, dragging that along with me? No, you don't. And just by saying that, there's a sense of freedom, a sense of liberty that begins to emerge. But if you leave it right there and think, oh, that's really, that's really great, it'll come back. So what I want to do is just kind of walk through some ideas, some suggestions that, that I think is going to help you uh, to put that away and to live the life that you dream of, to live the life that God has designed for you. He has so much better for you. Okay, here's the first idea. Change your address. <laughs> All right, change, change your address. Look in uh, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. The Bible says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. 
this little word dwell, and I, I'm, I'm real big on verbs, okay? And I, and, I, and I look this up because I know, you know, in one sense, we, we kind of all know that to dwell somewhere, that's where you, you reside in that place. That's where you live. Where do you dwell? Oh, I dwell out West Knoxville. Where do you dwell? Oh, I dwell uh, downtown, you know. Uh, we we kind of get that. But underneath the surface, what this word means, what it kind of carries with it is, he says, forget about those former things and don't dwell on the past. To re-watch it. Have you ever had something happen in your life and you just play it over and over and over in your head? You know, somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic and you go, ah, they say something. Or, or maybe your mother said something to you or your coach or a teacher one time. And you think, that was 30 years ago. And I still remember what they said. I mean, it may have been something that was so powerful and impacting, even though they didn't mean it to be, it could change the direction of your life. It could impact your self-esteem. I can go back and think of very specific things. You know, all the way back, you can go to first grade or eighth grade, or you can go back to college and remember specific things that people have said or done. And some of those have been helpful. Some of those things have been really pretty hurtful, particularly depending on who said them and you know, and kind of what happened. That's the weight of this word. It says, don't go back and do that. Don't go back and consider it. And it has the idea of don't go back and understand. It's really kind of the, uh, the middle, the, the intent of that word. It says, don't go back and try to figure it out. You know, you know how you do that? And, and we think, well, you know, and, and have you ever been with somebody and they go, you know what I should have said? I should have said, I should have done this. And when they did this, this is what I should have done. You think, what are you talking about? Well, you know, the other day with that thing that happened, and, you know, here's what I've been thinking about that. And, and what you've been doing is going over it, trying to figure it out, trying to understand what happened. How did that go south? What went wrong? Why did I do that? And, and I think there's, there's some healthiness to that in some levels, but for most of us, it's not. For most of us, it gets real dysfunctional real fast because we try to remember. And, we, and, and what he's saying is, you know what? Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't keep rehearsing that and letting it just dig this rut deeper and deeper into your soul. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to remember anything from the past that we just go, I, don't, I, don't, I choose not to think about that. I just, you know, it's not a pretend world. In fact, a couple of chapters uh, after this, in, in chapter 46, verse 9, uh, he, he, he says, remember the former things, those things of long ago. He goes, don't, don't forget about those, those things. So he's not, he's not saying that. I hope you get that distinction. He's not saying don't appreciate the past. Don't hear a song and go, oh, do you remember this? Oh, yeah, and there you go, you know, and you're, you're back at prom again. Um, he's saying don't live there. And don't camp out there, and don't stay there. Kind of like the guy, the uncle in Napoleon Bonaparte. You know, I was a football player, and I was this. And, and you know, some people just had that tendency to kind of gravitate where it becomes more than just this fond trip down memory lane. You began to be consumed in an area of your life because of what it used to be. Maybe it was a really good thing, and you, it's hard to let go because, oh, I was so pretty then. I was so thin. <laughs> I was such, did I show you my trophies? Let me show you my trophies, you know, and you're going, dude, you know, you, that was in high school, and, you know, you're 50. It's time. <laughs> move on, move on. You know, you know the difference. 
you know the difference. We, we, both of those things are kind of disabling. And sometimes there's something that maybe bad happened to you. And it's difficult to move past that. So my, my counsel is, uh, and if we were sitting down one-on-one in my office or down at Starbucks, I would say, you need to change your address. You need to move. You need to change where you dwell. You need to get out of the past and stop living in the past. You know, people who just can't, just, they just live in the past, the glory days or the whatever days. I looked at somebody's Facebook picture the other day, and it was like 25 years old. And they're just, they've got this 25-year-old picture, and I thought, I don't know who you're kidding, but it's maybe yourself, but not us. You know, I think, come on, let, let go. Don't live in the past anymore. And this means change what you think about, the regrets. I mean, we all have regrets. We've all got stuff. It's time to let go of it. And some of you, maybe, you know, time just continues to pursue you, and you feel like, well, the best years of my life have come and gone. The very best thing is when I was homecoming queen, I'll never forget stepping out on that field. And and it's been downhill since then. (laughs) You know, the enemy... The enemy has led you to a place of discontent because he knows he can keep this shadow. He can keep this perception of what you thought and what you like. And you think, well, I, you know, and I kid with people when I look back at school pictures and how cute I was as a child. Devastatingly cute. And I, and I realized I peaked at about age 12. That was my best. I looked so good at 12. So I'm just going to use that picture now on all my social network. Every, go to Twitter, and there I am. Twitter, who is that? It's Dan. Hey, looking good, you know? <laughs> it hasn't gone so well since then. It's just, no matter what I try, it's just not, it's not going good. You can get stuck there. It's time to let go. Those don't have to be your best days. Don't believe that. Don't buy into that. I'm going to challenge you to place your hopes in, in this. this is, it's a vital spiritual truth that when you live in Jesus... When you're in Christ, the best is yet to come. And that's always true. And it's true for you. There may be some resistance right now in your heart. There may be something in your mind going, that's not true. He's wrong about me. He doesn't know my deal. He doesn't know what I did or where I... I mean it for you. It's for us. God spoke through Isaiah. And he said, don't dwell in the past. Because God's not a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. You remember the story of the burning bush? pretty famous. I knew that even before I started going to church. I kind of had heard about that. Moses is out tending sheep in the desert, and he, and he comes to this mountain, um, and uh, he encounters this bush, and it's burning, and it's burning, and it's burning, but it's never consumed. And this voice from the bush says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then the voice tells Moses, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. To get out of Egypt. So Moses says to God, well, this is great. Uh, how do, where do I, I need an action plan. You know, I need, I need some validation. Do you have something to give me? Um, he said, suppose I go to, this is in Exodus chapter 2. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they, you know, they ask me, okay, that's great, Moses. We've, we, but what's his name? Who, who is this? What are you talking about? He says, then what shall I tell them? And and God replies to Moses in verse 14. He says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am 
has sent you. I am. Now that little phrase carries a lot of uh, a lot of way, a lot of power is wrapped up in that, and it means a lot of different things. In fact, this is when people began to turn on Jesus, because years and years and years later, someone was speaking in conversation with Jesus, and he said, "Ego I me, I am," and all the people. Well, they stepped back because it was the first time that Jesus kind of, he was going public with who he really was. And he was saying the same thing in a different language that God said here to Moses. I am. It's a declaration of deity. He's saying, I'm God. It's his all-encompassing name, and it's a right now kind of name. God was saying to Moses in that, yes, it means I am the God of your ancestors. Yes, I'm the God of the past. I've, I've been on the scene way before you guys ever showed up. But I'm not just the God of the past. I'm the God of today. I'm the God of right now. I'm the God of tomorrow. This weekend, Kathy and I watched um, a movie, uh, Time Time Traveler's Wife. You ever seen that? Uh, You know, we just thought, okay, it's a good movie to rent. It was a little weird, and it was was sad. Go ahead and tell you if you're going to rent that, if you're going to go to Redbox or iTunes or somewhere and get that. It's kind of of sad. You know, she cried, and I began to ponder time travel and think how cool that would be. And, (laughs) wow, you know, I could go back, and I could do this. And, you know, you kind of get, you know, funny about all that stuff. What God's calling us to do is a little time travel. He's challenged you today to drop some of these big bags you're carrying around with you and just leave them. You're not going to need it. I know you think you're going to need it. Oh, but what if I get there and I need this? And, oh, I didn't bring enough T-shirts. I only brought 15, and the the trip's five days. And what do I do? You're not going to need all that stuff. Just leave that stuff there. God's calling you out of the past. He's calling you into the day. And as good as it may have been, as bad as it may have been, you know, as good as it may have been, it can't help you anymore. It's not going to help you every time you meet a girl to go, oh, let me tell you about science fair, eighth grade. Yeah. She's not going to be impressed. <laughs> and, and you just, it's not going to help you anymore. You know what? As bad as it may have been, listen, it can't hurt you anymore. It's over. That's done. It's gone. It doesn't matter. Today's what matters. And I know when I say that, that for some of you, it's, it's like a knife in your heart. You think, but you don't know how I was hurt. There was abuse. There was something I did that was so bad. I just, I can't, my friends don't even know about it. My family doesn't even know. It's just something I, I made a decision because I was desperate or because I didn't know what to do and I was confused. I said this. I, I did that. Just let it go. It's okay. And I know what I'm I, I know you think, mm, you're overstepping your bounds. You're saying something too big for you. No, I, I really prayed through this. And, and looking back over this last night, I thought, God, this either means what it says or it doesn't. We can either let go of that stuff or we can't. Will we forever be in bondage to a decision you made when you were 15 or 30? God says, I want to set you free from the past today. I want this to be fresh 
and new. So don't let the enemy keep dragging that up and, and, and pulling you around, you know, with those things. I have a friend who had, he had a lot of father issues. And he never got things right with his dad. And there was just some big, big stuff going on there that happened. And, and then, before he could make things right, his dad passed away. His dad died. He said, now I can't ever fix that. I can't ever go back and, and with my dad. That's just something I'm going to have to carry with me the rest of my life. And I thought, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. I had dad issues. Some of you did. And there's all kinds of other stuff. Now, we did something kind of crazy, and I'm not, I'm not ready to suggest this to you, but it just kind of worked for him. We were walking. Uh, we were in, in the Smokies, and, and you know, that, the stream there by, I can't remember the name of the trail, but we, just, we kind of stopped there. And I said, here's what I wanted you to do. I said, I want you just to picture your dad. I said, look across the stream. See that big rock right there in the sun? Just picture your dad sitting right there. And I want you to say everything to him that you never said, that you wished you could say. I'm going to walk up the trail. And so I did. I walked away just kind of far enough where I could pray. And I got down and I just began to pray for this guy that God would give him liberty. And he was kind of reluctant. He felt kind of silly. He told me later. But he looked and he said, well, Dad... I just really don't think it was right you did this. And he just began to, and I could hear him from where I was. He began to cry. And then he just began to sob and just weep. And I was so embarrassed. There's this tender part of my heart that thought, I need to go hug him. (laughs) I need to go pray over him. I need to interrupt and go, it's okay. This was a bad idea. But the, the, the spirit just kept me where I was and said, no, let him go. And there was a healing and he's told me later, he said, you know, everything didn't go away at that moment, but that was a turning point in my life. He said, something huge happened when I got all that out and began to realize the past is not going to hold me back anymore. So move out of yesterday and move in uh, to today. And then the other thing I want to tell you, uh, that this really works for me, is you need to learn to squint. Okay, you need to learn to squint. You know what that is? Can you squint? Some of you, if you're like under 40, you probably have anything. What is this thing you speak of, this squint? Well, I'm at this age where my eyes don't fully cooperate with me. Um, you know, and nothing's ever at the right distance for me to be able to really see it. It's either too close or it's too far away. You know, my children hold something up and I go, oh, no, whatever, yeah, okay. Uh, it's so far away. Last Monday night, uh, softball game, I'm playing third base, I cannot see, and I realize I can't see the ball, so I'm squinting, and I'm closing one eye, and I'm trying to watch the ball come off the bat so I can be there, ready for it, you know, and kind of judge the distance a little better. Some of you know what I'm talking about, and so there's this trick. You just squint a little bit, and you can see better. You just, you just kind of squint. You see, I look out, and like, my distance vision is not real good, so I look out, and, and, and I think, wow, that's just... This is kind of a kind of a fuzzy fuzzy blob, but I squint and I and I just and I, and I look and I think, oh, that's not a fuzzy blob. Oh, that's matte. Oh, okay, I can see. You see, and if I squint and I keep thinking, okay, it's I think, and it stays a fuzzy blob, then I know, oh, that's Kevin. <laughs> okay, that's. <laughs> and here's what happens when you squint. I stop, and I stare, and I focus, 
and, and, I, and I concentrate. And when I do that, I figured out I can start recognizing, I can start seeing what I, lo- I look at. And this is the same thing in your spiritual life. Okay, you get that. God said through Isaiah in verse 19, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Will you not perceive it? You know, God is doing it. God is doing a new thing. You know he's doing it. Okay. Uh, the key word in this, in this little passage is the word perceive. This word perceive means to know, but it means, it means to recognize. Don't let something go past you, and you, you didn't recognize it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't get that. You know how things have gone past, and you go, what? Did you, what'd you say? I just said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. You know, it wasn't that it didn't happen, it's that you didn't perceive it. You didn't get it. Oh, look, there's so-and-so. What? Oh, he walked right past me, and I didn't even see him. You know, we, we've all had those kind of, those kind of moments. We were, um, we were on Market Square uh, a few nights ago. Kathy and I were walking along, and I said, tell me if I see somebody I know. <laughs> uh, it's bad, I know, man. It's good. So she could just have fun with that. See that guy in the white shirt? Yeah, you know him. Yay! <laughs> Freak, <laughs> you know. Yeah, see that girl over there in the green dress? Yeah. You know her well. Hey, girl. Creep. You know, it's just, she can have fun with that. But, you know, because I can't say, you don't want to let the opportunity, you don't want to let something slip past you. Now, I can say that God is absolutely involved in the life of every person here. He's involved in your life today. And some of you argue that. You think, no, he may be involved in your life, but I haven't seen or felt God in ages. I think God's 100 miles away from me. No, he's doing things in your life, but you don't recognize it. You don't perceive it. And one day I think the cover will be pulled off and you'll go, oh my goodness, he was right there. He was right there and I missed it. I missed it. I I didn't perceive him. Not everybody perceives his presence, but he's here and he's with you. It's no secret, I kind of like baseball. And one of the things I like about it is that every pitch is is a brand new contest. I mean, it's one player trying to outthink the other player. You know, you got somebody at bat, and they're, maybe they're a hitter, they're like a Chipper Jones or somebody, and, and you're thinking, you know, I throw it in the dirt, try to get him to, you know, take that, uh, just throw heat, just throw it really hard, put it past him, get him, uh, do I bring it inside real close, and maybe try to, you know, brush him, push him back a little bit. What, what kind of pitch? And at the same time, the batter's thinking, he's thinking this, and I bet he's going to throw this, and so I'm going to be ready. You know, every pitch is a contest, and that's one of the things I like about it, because I think there's more strategy in one inning of baseball than some businesses I know in our town will implement in an entire year. (laughs) And yet, there's some people who watch the game. I took a friend who's moved here from, from Africa, and we went to a Smokies game, and I said, all right, here's the deal about baseball. Have you ever tried to explain baseball if you didn't grow up with it? So simple, but so complicated. And I said, okay, this guy's trying to do this. And he's, well, why is he doing that? Well, because, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing. And he didn't perceive, and I'm watching it, and I see everything, and everybody cheers, and he goes, oh, we cheer now. This is a good, this is a good moment? Yes, okay, yeah, something good happened. It happened, but he didn't get it. You know, he didn't perceive it. What I'm afraid is, you know, that sometimes we don't perceive 
something that's there. Same way with modern art. Some of you look at it and go, my life has just been changed. Yes, I will pay you 20000 for that. I- I've got to have it. And somebody else looks at it and goes, did your kid do that? That's finger paint, right? Because I've got that on my refrigerator at home. I- that's not a big deal. You think, no, I-, I didn't see that. Or music. You know how you like your music, but you don't get somebody else's? You know, like classical music, reggae, blues, alternative. Some of you listen to that and you think, I don't understand these youth of today, you know, all their music. And you're just going, ah, you know, you're, you're getting into that. There's something there. When I was a kid, I'd go to visit my grandparents, and my grandfather loved southern gospel music. And I know, I just, I just, some of you just went, yes, and your grandfather was a good man. But, um, <laughs> but I would listen to it, and I would just go, don't get it. He'd say, oh, listen to this one, listen to this one. I think that sounds exactly like the one before it. <laughs> you know, they, they just all sounded the same to me. And so I'd put on some Led Zeppelin and say, Grandpa, check this out. He'd go, ah, 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 and he'd start crying. <laughs> you know, those who understand a specific type of music, they hear all the little nuances and they recognize how unique it is and this artist does this and this one does that. You know, it's perspective. And in your life, it's a question of perspective. And some people may look in and think, it just looks like chaos. You may step back from your life and think, it's just a random series of events. I mean, that's all it is. But those with spiritual perspective can see the hand of God and what takes place from, from one day to the next and how God's moving and how He's changing. And on the surface, you may not see it. On the surface, what may be a problem may actually be this opportunity that God's brought in to improve your life. What appears to be a crisis. Oh, no, I can't believe this happened. I wish it was yesterday. I wish God may be saying, I know, I know, I know, but this is going to be this, this beautiful thing. It's the only way we can move from ordinary and good to greatness. What appears to be a chance encounter with a total stranger may be an, an opportunity and God's bringing somebody in your life that you're going to demonstrate the love of Jesus with. And it's just all a matter of spiritual perspective. Now, how you develop this is this. You squint. You stop. You stare. You focus. You know, and you concentrate on it. You look at it. You pay attention to it. In verse 19, God said, see, I'm doing a new thing. This is new. This ain't the same old thing. This is a brand new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now, right now, it's springing up. You go, What? Where? I don't see anything springing up. He said, don't you perceive it? Don't you see it? I'm going to challenge you. Develop that skill. Don't just kind of, you know, shift into neutral and just, just kind of cruise through your life only one day to do what I've done, to look back and think, God, you were working all around me, and you were doing these things, and you were trying to, and I just didn't perceive it. And I've wasted opportunities. Now, just one other thing. I just I want to leave you with this idea too, um, and that's uh, I don't know really how to say it, but start watching uh, extreme makeover shows. You know what I'm talking about? You know those shows are just just this big reality thing where you you don't have to actually watch them if you you know what I'm talking about. Just think about it for a few minutes. I, I like the one. The most interesting to me is the one about the homes. You know where they take this beat up shack and. 
The yard looks kind of like my yard. And, you know, and if the show's producers wanted to, they could just go in and buy the person a new house. You know, they could walk up and go, no, nah, you know what? Come here, we're just going to buy you something over here. We're, just, we're not going to do it. But they don't. They take this rundown place and they turn it into a palace. It's just amazing. And there's one I saw that was last year, and they hide it with a bus. How do, how do you hide a house? So they pull a bus in front of it, and the guy's standing there. And this was a real touching story, and, and they moved it. And I looked around. My whole family's going, <laughs> well, that was loud. They're just crying, you know. They're just, it was just really, it's it a meaningful thing. And they even do it with people. <laughs> they take people uh, who, you know, they're unkempt, you know, they're kind of out of shape. Missing some teeth. Now they're all wrinkly and bags under their eyes. I got on shabby clothes and shaggy hair. You know, and they're just, and in 30 minutes, which is probably longer in real life, they probably take like weeks and weeks to do this. They, have, they take this remarkably average person and they give them like movie star good looks. You know, they take them back to sixth grade when they peaked and they just do something amazing. It's just unbelievable. It's even more amazing the transformation that God wants to bring about in your life. You may not see it, but he, he wants to take all your defects, all your, you know, your goof-ups and your mistakes, and he wants to turn those into strengths. Sometimes your best ministry may grow out of what you think is your weakest area. So don't look for ways of escape. You know, in verse 20, he says, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Sometimes we just want to run away. We think, if I can just get out of this town, if I can get away from this, if I can get away from these people, I can get away from this, you know, and you drag yourself along in every one of those, those places. God wants to take your failures and turn them into success. He wants to take the place where you are, the desert you're living in, and he wants to turn that into an oasis. He doesn't just tell you, know, you're bumping around. I have a friend who's a, a pastor who, um, he stays at a church three, four, five, six years, and when things get hard, when people don't like him anymore, when it's tough, when there's a controversy, he bails. He goes to another church. And he's been at so many churches. And, and I think he doesn't really have like 50 years or 40 years of experience. He's got like five years of experience over and over and over and over. <laughs> you know, and it just recreates and reproduces an immaturity in your life. So it may be that God didn't want you to run out of your marriage. It may be that God doesn't want you to run out of your class or the school you're in or the job you're in or the neighborhood where you live. I don't know. I'm not telling everybody's going to say exactly where they are. I don't know specifics about your particular you know, situation, but I know that generally... I think we run too fast. We look for ways of escape, and we take off. And we do that again and again in our life. So, so don't look for a way out of the desert. Let God turn that desert into something else. And when your life becomes about what God's doing right now, you're going to get so excited. When you start finding that purpose again, you start finding that joy again, you start living uh, with real specific, you know, uh, kind of a focus in mind, you're going to get filled with anticipation, and the past is going to lose its appeal. It's not going to have that grip on you anymore. Now, God's challenging us to take this journey through time. 
not into the past, out of the past. He's challenging you to drop your baggage. Just leave it. You don't need all that stuff with you. And God's saying, travel light. Just, just, just take what you need and leave the rest. Because it's just, it's just holding you back. That's all. So stop dwelling in the past. Start focusing. God, here's where I am today. You know, I've taken a lot of, um, you know, turns and, you know, detours to get where I am. But all that's behind me. All that's in the past. This is where I am. This is where I'm focused. What do you want to do today? What do you want to do tomorrow? Don't let the desert heat fool you. Don't let the apparent emptiness of this wasteland you feel like you're living in fool you. God is at work in your life. He's doing a new thing. I tell you what, and I don't, I don't want to pull this, like, the Holy Spirit card out very often because I know it begins to be shallow or, you know, or something, but I, there are times I think just God just speaks to my heart. And I believe this is one of those things he's told me, is that some of us in this room, some of you are in bondage to the past in some ways that are dysfunctional and unhealthy. And it's keeping you from being the man you want to be, from being the woman that you want to be. And today, God's given you permission. Leave it. Step out of the past. Watch what God wants to do now. There's a new thing that's springing up in your life. There's a new thing that's happening in your life. Won't you perceive it? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Let's pray.